0: Welcome to the latest edition of Grazia Life Advice. Thank you so much for choosing us over the millions of podcasts out there. I'm Rhiannon. Let's meet our latest woman worth listening to.
1: Hello, I'm Emma Gannon. I'm a podcaster, author, and now a novelist, and I'm here on Grazia's Life Advice.
0: Multi-queen Emma Gannon is a best-selling author and host of The Control, Out delete podcast. Earlier this year, she sparked conversation around women's choice to be child-free when she released her first novel, Olive. She's recently published Sabotage, a manual to help you stop ruining your own chances of succeeding. She's a busy, busy woman, but luckily she found time to speak to us today. Coming up, how hard it can be to stop comparing yourself with others' successes. This one particular person in this
1: industry (laughs) who I compare myself to, like every day, every day I'm like, oh, another day where I'm not as good as this person. Mm. We all are so unique and we are all doing things our own way. And even if we did something very similar, we cannot
0: be the same as someone else. Emma's observation on lockdown life, how weird it is on video calls to constantly be virtually welcomed into other
1: people's houses. I don't live in a Pinterest world. My flat is not come and take some photos for ideal no. home. <laughs> it's like we live here, we, you know, it's cozy, we like yeah. it. For me, that's been a weird trigger of just, oh, why don't I have a kitchen island? And later, we'll get into one of the things Emma is best known for, the side hustle. We're living in a time where a lot of jobs are quite meaningless. It's emails back and forth or it's something that, you know, is just very mechanical that doesn't really have any meaning attached to it. So I think if you can find a way, even if it's like on the side, to do something that brings you even a slight ounce of meaning, it can just change everything.
0: So without further ado, here she is, Emma Gannon.
1: Hi Emma, thank you for joining us, how are you today? Thank you for having me, I love this podcast and I've listened oh. to
0: many episodes so thank you for having me Brilliant, we love getting women such as yourself on, and so really pleased to have you today You're here primarily because to give us your best advice but also because you have a book out your second book of the year we should say, and this one's called Sabotage, can you, if people haven't heard of the book yet, it is out now can you just run them through what it's about? Yes, so Sabotage is a book that
1: I actually self-published through a crowdfunder last year as a essay with a little independent called The Pound Project. And it came out as like a bigger version this year. And it's basically a little book about getting out of your own way. I focus on four of the main types of sabotage. So perfectionism, procrastination, your inner critic, and fear of self-promotion. And it's I wrote it pre-pandemic, but it's feeling quite relevant actually. In a world that is sabotaging us with all sorts of external problems it 's basically a book about how to not add to the pile and just be your own friend really
0: fantastic and what made you decide to write that because obviously you 're big on the social media scene, you speak to a lot of people. Was it something that you felt there was a need to talk about? Yeah, it was definitely a combination of those things. It was meeting
1: people on my book tours and discussing the tools and the podcasts and the workshops and the online courses that are all available to all of us. We live in such a kind of great digital world in many respects where information is free and out there and we can launch the side hustle and do all the things. But, you know, underneath all of those things that we have um, access to, there was still something getting in the way. And that is normally confidence or the inner critic or comparison or feeling like we're just not worth it or imposter syndrome. And so actually I thought, you know what, I've written a lot about the tools to get started, That actually let's go beneath, you know, the root and the foundation and really work out what's standing in people's ways. And most of the time it's our it's ourself. So, yeah, it's not about, you know, self-criticism or you know, blaming ourselves. it's It's actually quite a positive, warm book that is saying, let's just be kinder and realize that we're just in self-defense mode a lot of the time. We're actually trying to protect ourselves a lot. so let's kind of reframe uh, the issue at hand. The other thing is, yes, it's very much personal because <laughs> I realized that as I got more quote unquote, successful, my imposter syndrome grew. Really? Yeah. And I started doubting myself so much more than I did when I was in my 20s, even though I had like concrete evidence that I had kind of done some stuff that I should be
0: happy about. Mm. So it was a combination of those. Do you think it's a female problem? Are you speaking mostly to a female audience? There is a
1: chapter on how we can sabotage ourselves by wanting to just be smaller Mm. and be quieter and be likable. And it was something I'd noticed years ago that the more I liked myself and the more confident I grew, I felt like the less people liked me. (laughs) And maybe that's just kind of more of a public persona thing. It's not necessarily like my friends and family didn't like Mm. it. It was more people just start questioning you a bit more. So, yeah, it's definitely kind of like personal mixed with like research based stuff because I wanted to talk to therapists and psychologists.
0: Yeah, that's quite depressing, though, what you've said is, like, the more you learn to like yourself and found success, the outside world was like, no, we don't like that. I mean, it's quite British, isn't it? Definitely British. Yeah, definitely. And I
1: think you really have to get over that hurdle and just kind of be your own cheerleader, however cheesy that sounds. You really can't wait for other people's approval. And I feel like the more kind of the more you like step into yourself and your power, The more society really does not like that, I think people would prefer you to be quieter and smaller. So yeah, I I looked into the psychology of it and it's very common, very common among women, but also in the sports world, for example, um, there's something called choking, which is when you can be so accomplished, you can be really confident, really good, really skilled, and you can get out there on a pitch or on on a tennis court or wherever you are and just completely fluff it. I found that personally with like public speaking, like in my early 20s, I would go out there, do my thing, go home, feel great. Now, I mean, I'm a nervous wreck if I have to speak in front of people. So I wanted to unpick why that happens
0: as we get older, and how we can change it. So obviously, you spoke to a lot of experts, you're saying like the psychology, some sports therapy in there. I mean, did you learn a lot yourself? And has the book helped you as much as you know, helping other people? Yes, totally. I mean, it's changed
1: everything. I feel genuinely, I feel like this little book has helped me. It's like, it is actually technically self-help because it helped me. Like Mm -hmm. I helped myself during this book. And really, yeah, it's just unpicking why our brains do what they do why we are so horrible to ourselves because we're just trying to prepare ourselves for the worst Mm. i interviewed a therapist called anna martha who explained to me why we love rehearsing bad situations and bad scenarios you know that classic thing if your boss puts a meeting in your diary and doesn't say anything just (laughs) yeah we have a catch-up yeah and your brain just spirals into i'm going to lose my job then i'm going to lose my house then i'm going to be homeless Like Mm. you can go into this complete spiral. And when I interviewed her about why we do it and how we can stop doing it, my life has got so much better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really excited to get your advice because I know you're going to have some good advice. But I have to say, I did say at the beginning of the podcast, you've had two books out this year. So you've also had a novel out called Olive. It's about having children, not having children and those decisions in your early 30s. Just tell people a little bit about that if they've not heard of it somehow.
1: Yes, well, uh, a piece I wrote for Grazia, actually, was one of the most kind of popular pieces on it. Mm. I was calling for more representation of child free women in the media and in popular culture. Uh, So the book is about a woman called Olive, who has just broken up with her boyfriend of 10 years, because essentially, they started talking about whether they wanted to have babies. And Olive realized she really doesn't. And her boyfriend wants to be a dad. That's like the premise of the book, really, is what would happen if people had that crossroads in their life how would they get over that Mm. olive is really a story about a woman you know being child free by choice being single again working through that whilst simultaneously her three best friends are becoming mothers it's just about a woman's story I don't think really we've seen much in commercial women's fiction
0: where their life looks completely different to to most women's lives. Mm, mm. And I think super relatable. And as you say, tapped into a conversation that lots of women, I don't even know they were having, felt they weren't able to have. So yeah, I guess that's why it's been so successful so far.
1: Yeah, it's been great hearing from real people who are reading it and not just child-free women, even though that's been nice for them to feel seen. That was the main thing really, is I think child-free women can feel like they're kind of not in the conversation a lot of the time. So that was nice. But also just hearing from women that are mothers or people that are going through IVF to hear that that's been represented. It's really about how, as women, we are all making up our own choices as we go along and know path is better or more valid than anyone else's.
0: Yeah. And that leads nicely into your first piece of advice, which is that comparison is futile. Where did that come from? Was that something you've always lived by? or?
1: So I really wanted to dig into comparison in my book, Sabotage as well, because, you know, human beings are such great storytellers. I think, you know, back in the day, we would sit around a fire, mm. a campfire, and we would share stories and That's what we do as people. We tell stories every day and we tell stories about who we are and where we're from. And we make things up in our heads all the time. And I think when we compare ourselves to someone else, we're actually making up a lot Mm. about who that person is. I write quite honestly in the book about this one particular person in this industry (laughs) who I compare myself to like every day, every day. I'm like, oh, another day where I'm not as good as this person. Mm you know, I've got a handle on it now, but through the work I've done with some of the therapists, which is, A, you don't know, you don't really know anything about that person's life. Mm. It's so classic that we think we attribute a number or a platform or money to success when actually we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And I know this sounds really cliche, but we all are so unique and we are all doing things our own way. And even if we did something very similar, We cannot be the same as someone else. And I just wanted to kind of, yeah, hammer that home in the book, really, that our starting point, our end point is always going to be so different. And it's kind of just what we do in the middle that matters. And you're going to be ahead in like those traditional terms or behind at certain points. Mm. But it's really not a race you're just going at your own pace, really. And something to remember, I think.
0: Yeah. And I think surely exacerbated by social media as well, this comparison era that we're living in, literally, like, you can see straight away what someone has or what you think they have. You're obviously big on social media. How have you found that? Have you found that's made things worse for you? Or I have quite a kind of light relationship with
1: social media. I think I've been doing it for so long now. I've been blogging for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. I I kind of throw things out when I'm in a mood to and I think when I'm in the mood to be on there I'm on there just posting stuff and then when I'm not in the mood I I kind of come off it for a a week or so I I actually was reading a piece that Caroline O'Donoghue wrote I think for Grazia actually about how she has like interiors envy yes yeah (laughs) one thing I've really noticed in lockdown is we're all seeing inside each other's homes Mm. for the first time you know I don't live in a Pinterest world my flat is not come and take some photos for ideal home it's like we live here we you know it's cozy we like it for me that's been a weird trigger of just oh why don't I have a kitchen island yeah oh because uh yeah you can't just magic up a kitchen island where's your pink velvet (laughs) chair exactly and I um I think Instagram has a lot to blame for that uh you know the millennial pink living room absolutely
0: Emma, tell us your second piece of advice.
1: My second piece is about following your gut and basically realizing that most of the time you actually already know the answer, actually, deep down, I think we give up we don't give ourselves enough credit for knowing what we're supposed to be doing. You know, for example, I've been working with a life coach recently. Life coaches and therapists are actually just amazingly trained and worth the money in questioning and prodding and guiding, you know, no one else actually has the answers. All it is is someone kind of giving you the space to answer the questions yourself. I think I would always just say, and especially if you're, you know, younger in a role where you're being kind of told what to do all the time, obviously, you know, do the work. (laughs) But question things, you know. If you have a gut feeling that something isn't right, you should definitely not ignore it. No,
0: Do you, obviously we do follow our gut but then we do also like to air our thoughts as you said I mean who do you turn to for advice is it a group of friends is it whatsapp is it instagram where do you go for advice
1: I think it's really important to have a very small group around you who basically aren't like yes people Mm -hmm. you know I'm really lucky to have like my sister and my partner and you know some of the colleagues that I work with who just really tell me the truth yeah I just think that's so important because a lot of people kind of they just go along with what you think all the time I think you need a bit of pushback Mm -hmm. so that you can figure out if you're going to fight for the idea Mm -hmm. or if actually the idea is just a bit crap
0: are there moments you look back on your younger self and you think oh I could have cut out four or five years of stress or you know big issues if I just followed my gut rather than listening to other people I mean there's probably loads of examples but I do follow my gut a lot, yeah.
1: and you know, I I remember just before I was going to go freelance, actually, the amount of people that said, "Don't do it. It's going to be really bad. It's going to be insecure. It's, you don't know where your paycheck's going to come from. You're going to be, you know, two months in and wanting a job again." And these are people that are trying to be kind and they're trying to be nice, but I knew in my gut I was ready and I was going to give it a go. So sometimes people won't believe in you, and you kind of have to just follow that thing inside that is saying you can make it work I think
0: Mm, mm. which does lead into your third piece of advice which I love and and we have had some people say similar things before but it's so important it's just get started yeah it sounds simple yeah it is simple
1: I think we're in this culture now where we are looking at things that have been crafted and perfected and then put online and we're thinking okay well I need to if I'm going to start a podcast, or if I'm going to start a YouTube channel, or if I'm going to write a book, it has to be perfect. And I think if you compare yourself to someone who has done something over a period of time, your kind of barriers to entry are there. I think this one really just comes down to realizing that your first thing that you ever do is just probably going to be quite bad. Yeah, (laughs) I think back to my first ever podcast episode. Terrible sounds like we're in a tin can yeah it's just awful but I won't ever remove it or take it down because I want I really I'm really proud of the evolution you know it's gone from Mm. tin cans to a lovely velvety studio well it did before COVID you know the point is that we things grow steadily and slowly and you don't get the perfection overnight that's
0: so true I mean it's all we see now is kind of like these perfect perfect made things and podcasting especially I think is interesting isn't it because for a while it was such a great medium that anyone could get involved in you know you kind of just needed a laptop really and it does feel like it's got so much more professional now and that the barrier there are barriers to entry even in podcasting now and that that is hard I think for people
1: I think so but I also think that the content kind of wins over anything like if you had microphones that were like a thousand pounds each but the idea and the content had no soul or authenticity or meaning then I would pick the Skype conversation over that
0: I guess that comes back to what you're saying as well about perfectionism being a way of sabotaging yourself is that what it's about like not always thinking it has to be perfect and just giving it a go yeah definitely
1: I mean I think you want to beat your expectations rather than feel like you're failing all the time I mean Mm -hmm. even on a smaller scale like when I'm writing my books if I sat down and went right Emma you're going to write 10,000 brilliant words today I mean (laughs) I would not even start I would be Mm -hmm. crippled by that when actually I do the Pomodoro thing where you put 25 minutes on the clock and you write okay you know 200 words will do And then you might write 500 and you've actually Mm. smashed your day because you've exceeded your expectations. So I think lowering expectations is kind of how I move through the world. (laughs) And then everything else is a bonus, basically.
0: Fantastic. We'll be back with more from Emma after this. We're back with Emma and she has a fourth piece of advice for us. Why don't you share that? So this is about not creating for
1: everyone. Right now, we're definitely in like influencer culture where people are, you know, growing their followers and maxing out, you know, visibility, which is fine. But I guess this life advice kind of goes against that a little bit. I think if you try and be everything to everyone, you end up being nothing to no one. I'm really a big fan of not really necessarily wanting to reach all of the people, but reaching the right people. And I don't mean that in terms of like a certain type of person, like the people that subscribe to my newsletter, for example, are like all over the world, all different types of people. But they are people that want to be there. And I'm much happier with having a small, smaller community than trying to reach millions. Um, so I think really I'm talking about growing community rather than growing followers.
0: Right. And does that mean that you can instead concentrate on what you want to put out there rather than second guessing what other people might want to see from you as well? Yeah, definitely. And also the
1: fact that to run a successful business or to feel really fulfilled in the content or the writing you're putting out there, it really doesn't take a lot of people to make that happen. I have a friend actually who runs a really successful business and she has about 300 followers, but They're like 300 people that engage with her every day and kind of are clients of hers. That's amazing. Like 300 people is a lot of people. And I think I just mean if you target or create for the people that want to hear from you, it's a really lovely way to use the internet. And it makes you not get wrapped up in like metrics or numbers because That's quite an empty thing to chase at the end of the day. Is that something you get asked a lot? Do you get constantly asked, how do I grow my followers? What should I do? Sometimes, yes. And I kind of think that's almost the very kind of opposite thing to concentrate on. Um, That kind of comes afterwards, or at least along the way. And and quite gradually,
0: I think. Mm. And you talk about building a community. Do you have a lot of interaction with people? And has social media brought you, you know, real life friends? And has it led open doors for you? Yes, definitely. And I suppose being,
1: you know, a millennial, even though we're all old now, I do feel like the way we look at the internet is kind of quite objective. I've always used it kind of as a springboard for more offline opportunities and I know it's all changing now, because we can't travel or meet up or go to the pub or anything. But I've always thought, what can how can this kind of highlight or add to my life rather than take? So yeah, it's definitely given me friends, really amazing opportunities to travel. You know, I have found out what events are going on or, or book clubs or things I want to get involved in. So it's yeah, I kind of treat it just as a springboard to further and,
0: and enhance my overall life. Can I ask you your fifth piece of advice? I'm really interested to know what you mean by this. It's forget passion, but stay curious. Can you explain that?
1: Yeah, this is actually inspired by Liz Gilbert, who wrote Big Magic. She talks a lot about this, about how mm. finding your passion is actually quite intense. <laughs> you know, when you kind of or like a graduate, or you've just left school, and people say, you must find your passion. (laughs) And you think, oh, my God, I don't have one. What's wrong with me? Yeah. So I think shouting at people that they need a passion is like, so off putting. And she says that if you follow your curiosity, you will live quite a happy creative life, because you're just kind of following breadcrumbs, instead Mm -hmm. of having to discover your like, purpose in life. So for me, that's kind of the reason all my books come into fruition. I start with a tiny little seed Mm -hmm. and I follow that seed and I Google it and I watch TED Talks and I go down rabbit holes and I talk about it in the pub with friends and it leads to an idea, basically.
0: Do you feel like you have a passion now, you know, the stage you're at in your career you know if someone said what's your passion do you feel like you'd have an answer for them
1: that's such a good question because that just takes me back to like a job interview from like 5 yeah. years ago when they're like <laughs> tell me your passion and you're just there yeah. going uh whatever i say is going to sound so cringe and cheesy i guess at the end of the day most people have a similar passion i think which is to feel like they are doing something that has meaning we're living in a time where a lot of jobs are quite meaningless it's emails back and forth, or it's something that, you know, is just very mechanical, that doesn't really have any meaning attached to it. So people, you know, become depressed, and they feel like they don't have a purpose. So, so I think if you can find a way, even if it's like on the side to do something that brings you even a slight ounce of meaning, um, it can just change everything.
0: Yeah. And obviously you're writing you're writing these kind of books. You said you gained inspiration from Liz Gilbert. Who do you turn to? Are you a great reader of of these kind of books and, and who have you enjoyed over the years? Yes, and I've definitely been turning to these sorts
1: of books during lockdown. Um, I think we've all, you know, gone inside a little bit more and been like, okay, if I can't go to the cinema and I can't like go and drink loads of pints in the pub and I can't go and get a massage, what am I gonna do to make myself feel better? And for me, it was like just walking through parks, listening to audiobooks, people like Martha Beck, who I absolutely love, um, who if you haven't heard of her, people listening, she is Oprah Winfrey's life coach. So, yeah, I'm very much into like spiritual, self helpy stuff. And, you know, some of it's quite American and quite like take it with a pinch of salt, but it somehow goes in and you can sort of take the bits you want to take from it.
0: No, I think she's a great one. And we should just say that siren was outside your house, wasn't it? We're just because we're both in our bedrooms in London, just recording. So
1: yes, the work from home uh, sirens. I apologize.
0: Yeah, you'll probably hear my son clattering through the door any second as well. So we'll have that to add to. And let's move on to your sixth piece of advice. The sixth piece of advice is about investing in yourself.
1: And I do think this one's quite relevant to now. It's about how you can soak up so much like a sponge from all the different jobs you might have over your lifetime. And actually all it, all it is doing is going into you as a person and kind of growing your kind of work self. I mean, I don't want to use the word brand, but you know what I mean? Like you're growing yourself and who you are uh, in the workplace. And this is actually taken from a tweet that kind of went a bit viral. She's called Erica Williams Simon. And she said, the best career advice that I can give is don't ever attach yourself to a person, a place, a company or an organization. Attach yourself to a mission, a calling, a purpose only. That's how you keep your power and your peace. It's worked pretty well for me so far. And I don't know if people listening might find that kind of a bit controversial because it's basically saying, screw the corporation. I'm investing in myself as an individual. But I really do abide by that. And it's something that I wrote about in the multi-hyphen method, which is we're gonna probably be working for a lot of different companies over our lifetime. So try not to give everything, like your your heart and your soul, to one particular place. Yeah, it's it really spoke to me that tweet. And I and I really and that's not to say you don't give it you don't give it your all when you're hired for a job. But just try to have a little bit of a separation there between you and the company.
0: A lot of people will be listening to that advice sat at home now, you know, thinking about them being on emails at nine o'clock at night because the laptop's just there. And and I think that is really important. That quote will be resonating with a lot of people. You talk about side hustles a lot. You know, I don't know if you are fed up of the phrase side hustle, but is it about saving a bit of yourself? You know, if you have a great idea that you think necessarily it might be better to take out on your own rather than giving to a company?
1: I think the power of a side hustle is not to add to your plate, because I do think that sometimes people are made to feel bad, actually, that side hustle culture is a thing. You know, I've got a day job and now I've got to do even more. But for me, really, it's the side hustle thing is, is only ever a positive. It's something that should help you mentally, something that gives you actually more joy and more energy, not less. I mean, for example, you know, you can come home from a really hard day at work, you're mentally quite drained, but you haven't actually used any creativity, you haven't used that that muscle that kind of gives you that fulfillment of like, oh, I've been creative today. And so I would come home and I would use all that stored up energy and like channel it somewhere. And for me, that was a blog. You know, I just needed to get out of my system and my workplace wasn't allowing me to do it. So I made it up and made an opportunity for myself. So I think that's kind of why side hustles can be can be really great and can give you an outlet that makes you feel like you're you're channeling what you're meant to be channeling into something.
0: Yeah I think that's such a healthier way to think about it and probably will have given a lot of people some relief today who are worrying and feeling like they're like getting left behind because they've just got one job you know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah I know I know. We always end on someone's bad advice because it can often kind of show more than the good advice sometimes so what's the worst advice you've ever received and why? So this isn't actually anything that anyone said to me personally it's just something that I hear around and
1: I'm a bit like I don't like that phrase. It's jump and the net will catch you it's a bit like the whole everything happens for a reason thing like people mean well but it's actually sometimes kind of bums you out a bit because it's just not true (laughs) sometimes the net won't catch you sometimes you don't get the job and sometimes you have a great idea and no one likes it sometimes you have this wave of inspiration and it doesn't go anywhere that's not meant to sound depressing. It's just that sometimes we get rejected. Sometimes we fail. And even though no one else might see it, I mean, there's lots of things that I've been rejected for that no one will ever know about. They only see the shiny things. But that's just the way it is. You know, we, I don't want to go on LinkedIn when I've been rejected and share it. <laughs> Maybe we do need to share those things more, but it's kind of human nature to keep that to yourself sometimes because it can still hurt. So sometimes you'll jump and you'll fall on your face and you'll be fine. Mm.
0: Do you know what? I think that's really important because I think as well, this whole idea that it all happens for a reason and if it's good enough, it all, you know, the cream always rises to the top. If you get rejected, you sometimes feel like it's justified. And sometimes it's not justified. Sometimes it's just scenarios or, you know, different things were happening in a workplace or they were looking for something else. And I think it's nice to think that sometimes you fail and actually, you know, it's definitely not your fault.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves that you could have done the most amazing best job on something. You know, for example, say it's like a book proposal and it gets rejected. Maybe on that day, actually, you caught people on a really bad day. And they said no, for no other reason than it just wasn't the day that they were going to say yes to something. It's not justifying that like everything you do is always amazing. And it's everyone else's problem. But a lot of the time, it isn't anything to do with us. And maybe we don't have to sit at home overanalyzing why we're awful, because something didn't happen. Maybe it just didn't happen. Like, no no explanation needed.
0: Mm. I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you so much for joining us, Emma. Your book, Sabotage, is out now. Thank you so much for having me. Such a great chat with Emma. She is so wise. Thank you for being with us as ever. And if you're not already subscribed, do that now so you get new episodes automatically. Otherwise, you're missing out, I promise. Coming soon in the series, we'll meet no-holds-barred comedian and author, Grace Campbell. I made a conscious decision a few years ago go
1: to not work with men unless I had to unless there was you know unless I was basically being made to because not all men hashtag not all men but a lot of the men I've worked with in like comedy and tv and, and this world have gone out of their way to make me feel uncomfortable and have gone out of their way to make me feel like shit and make me feel like I don't belong wherever I am
0: so join us every Friday when we release new episodes and tell your friends they'll be glad you did see you soon